This is the Cherry Leaf Podcast. Hello and welcome to episode 66 of the Cherry Leaf Podcast. And this episode is brought to you by Cherry Leaf's specialist technical recruitment service where we help organisations looking to find the right contract or permanent technical communicator or content strategist or other expert in creating content. So in this episode, I want to talk about trying to find the ideal platform for intranet content. And if you have a tool that you use in-house, that you like, that works for you, then it would be interesting to know what it is. So share it with us, info at charityleaf.com, email us, tell us what it is, tell us what you like about it. We'd be very interested in knowing more. So one of the areas that we get involved with is helping organisations put policies and procedures and other sort of reference type information onto a platform where the organisation can see it. So organisations can move away from having information communicated verbally or by different departments, start to set in some central controls where everybody can see what the different departments do, everyone can follow the same set of rules, that people can be aware of things that affect everyone in the organisation. There's different parts to this. In many ways, intranets are there for collaboration and integrating with applications to make systems more streamlined and flow in that way. In this context, we're looking more at the support information, the performance support information to help people do their jobs, the sort of reference information that's out there. So what sort of platforms should we consider and what criteria should we use in assessing one platform over another. Let's start with the second bit first and then we'll look at some of the tools that are out there today. And in terms of a wish list of the perfect tool, well, it could be a number of things. One is cost. In a perfect world, we'd be able to use a tool that's free or already available to the organization or low cost. And not something that's not too expensive. A second factor would be ease of use from a user perspective first. So it's easy to find information on the platform. So there's search of some sort. There's a way of navigating around the information. Ideally, there's a way of filtering information so that we can reduce the clutter so that people can just be presented with the information that's relevant to their location or their department. That if they're told about that they need to be aware of something, that maybe there's a two-page, two-page, a two-sentence summary of that information. So, for example, for recruiting, to be aware of anti-discrimination or quality policies within the organisation, rather than have a link to take somebody out to read that and then come back to what they're doing. Maybe a two-sentence summary embedded in a page that takes the highlight of a section of a policy that you can read within another online page the content's online, that it is easy to navigate online and therefore viewable on a mobile device or a tablet or, or a laptop. 
So the ease of use from a user perspective and the ease of use from a writing and maintaining perspective, that it's manageable from one place. You've got governance, so if things change, it's easy to change them and for that change to be rippled through. Or if you need to audit the content, that you can do that pretty easily. That if somebody wants to change and update the content, that it's relatively straightforward to do that as well. So minimizing the situation where you need to cut and paste from one system to the other. So those, I suppose, are the, the main criteria for somebody that's coming from a technical writing documentation background, the types of things they would like within an intranet. There may be others around automating things and workflow, but within this, we'll just look at the more the content side of things. And for a lot of organizations, what they would probably use is Microsoft SharePoint or potentially Microsoft Teams. If they've got Office 365, then they've got the product, it's there, and so they would be attracted or directed to use that particular tool. And there are strengths within those tools. Teams is good for asynchronous chat and collaboration, working on that way. SharePoint is good at having a central repository where the whole organization can go to find information. But we've never really found that SharePoint works as a good platform for online content. It's a good place to store Word documents and Excel or PDF. You can have short web pages, which are stored as ASP pages within SharePoint. There are different plugins you can have for SharePoint as well. You can do surveys and discussion boards and the like, and documentation libraries, as I said. But as a sort of online platform equivalent to an internal help file or an internal web page, it just doesn't seem to be the right platform. It's very hard to explain why it's not great for that type of thing. From a maintenance perspective, if you want to do things like embed bits of a web page within another web page, this idea of what's called partials or embedded content, it's not very good at that type of thing. So we've tended not to build solutions around using SharePoint. So our background is from the world of technical authoring, and there are a number of the technical authoring, help authoring tools that are out there that position themselves as also being a solution for internal content within an organization, for policies and procedures, for internal intranets in terms of the reference content, not necessarily positioning themselves as ways of creating applications or integrating with applications, but standard web pages that people might look at to find information. So tools like RoboHelp, tools like Madcap Flare. If you're familiar with those tools and you want to put content up there, might even be a brand guideline, style guide, that type of thing, even if it's information relating to the tech pubs department that other people might want to use. There are some attractions to using it. What they tend to do is they tend to generate flat HTML pages. So you don't need a server content management system to deliver 
publish the pages. And they come with search as part of them. You can have table of contents, you can have conditional text. So you can filter information by different audiences. And so what you can deliver are pages that are easy to navigate around, where it's possible to print PDF versions if required as well, where the information appears quickly. What's wrong with those types of tools? Well, they are relatively cheap. They're not free, but they're not huge enterprise level costings. You only need typically one copy or just a copy for however many people are writing the content. There is a bit of a learning curve because they have their they have a lot of power and sophistication within them and you have to familiarize yourself with those. If you're not familiar with the idea of single sourcing, the idea of having content that can be reused in more than one place or appear in different tables of contents or can have text that's conditional on certain criteria that it only appears if somebody's one type of user or interested in certain things, then for your average person who's used to writing information as emails, writing Word documents, there's a bit of a learning curve with that. So what else is there out there? Well, another tool that's quite popular for internal information is Confluence, which is by the people that do Jira, if you're involved in the software environment and you use that bug tracking application. Confluence is their collaboration platform. You can either have a version of that that sits on a server internally within your organization or there's a cloud version. So Confluence is a content management system, collaboration tool, what happens is, is a database of content, and when somebody wants a particular page, the database generates that page for them. So in a similar way to the, the way that WordPress works. So pages are built on the fly. It can generate online web pages that are relatively easy to use and navigate. You can have a table of contents on the left to navigate around. The search, is there. It's not as good as you would get with something like Flare or RoboHelp. You can end up doing a search and getting quite a lot of potential pages that might be the one that you're looking for. And then you have to then go into each one to see if it's the right one for you. If you want to move content from one place to the next, it's, there are some issues around that. But it's certainly worth considering. And uh, from a cost perspective, it's pretty low cost. There are plugins that you can get for things like publishing to Word or publishing to PDF. And the more users you have that can author, the more the cost can go up there, but relatively quite low cost item. And it's good for having the sort of workflow and integration with other systems. Lots of plugins that are available for it. If you do want to go that way, you are going to have to commit to a monthly fee for the users that are going to log in if you have the cloud system, or you're going to commit to having it installed on a server and somebody responsible for maintaining that installation into the future 
doing the backups and the like for that. And whilst documentation is one of the things that you can do with Confluence, Atlassian seem to be pushing it more as a collaboration tool and some of the features that you might expect they'd get round to adding or including or bugs that you'd think that they would finally get round to fixing relating to sort of the documentation side of things. Well, I think there's been a bit of frustration from technical writers that Atlassian have really not made those changes to it. There's been more emphasis on the more short-term chat type elements of collaboration that is also another part of the features within Confluence. From an editing perspective, within every page there can be an edit button and you can click on that and you get to a the authoring text. It's a wiki text, wiki-like environment. Most of it's wiki, we tell you the truth. And it's relatively easy to just go in and make changes like you would within a Word document and then hit the save button. And you've got a track record of who edited what page on what date. You have the capability of rolling back a page. So if somebody has made a change and you don't agree with it, somebody can go back and change that revision back to an earlier version. And you can have plugins for workflow so things can only get updated if they're approved by somebody. So the main three that we come across are the help authoring tools, Confluence and SharePoint. Sometimes people also use some of the capabilities within salesforce.com. So if their business is driven very much through the Salesforce platform for sales generation or supporting service calls, things like Service Cloud, then they'll use some of the features within that some of the templates within that to document how to do certain things. And then there's a new one that we've been looking at recently. We spent some morning having a, a look at, which is within the world of static site generators. So static site generators are popular within the, the API developer environment as a way of creating static HTML web pages. One of the advantages of static HTML web pages is you don't have to pay for a database, hosting, and some of these static site generators, many of them work with Git and GitHub. And if you're familiar with the way in which you work is to use the Git world view of how to do things, they fit in well with that in terms of how you make changes and have revisions and different branches of things. So the one that came out in December, new kid on the block as it were, is a tool called Antora. We've mentioned in previous podcasts about ASCII doc as an alternative lightweight markup language to Markdown. And that it's interesting because it comes from an XML world and has features like the ability to mark up text semantically. So you've got it for different audiences. And Antora is a platform where you can write content in ASCII doc. And then what that will do is it will publish it as a website or an intranet. So it converts the ASCII doc pages to be HTML. It also generates a 
table of contents on the left, a top navigation that you might expect on a web page. So it could be used for publicly facing content for a website. It could also be used internally as an intranet. So because of that all sort of open source world, it's a free tool, it's free to use. It's static site pages. So you write your content, you run the build command for Antora locally on your machine. It generates the HTML and then you can upload that. So there's no database that you need to manage or worry about in that way. So it ticks some of the boxes that we have for our list, low cost or free, yes. And easy to maintain. Certainly from a database side of things, it's, it's quite, it, it, it ticks that box. And from an easy to use for the end user perspective, you've got options in terms of filtering and navigating. So within ASCII doc, there is the ability to have filtering and marking up of content semantically, but the worldview of, of Antora is, is more of the sort of GitHub branching way of doing things. You would have a main branch of your policies. And if you had a variations for different countries or different locations or for different audiences, you would create a branch off. For each of these branches, they could appear automatically within the build that's created with a drop down for different criteria. So there are some things that are different with Antora. One is that it's really designed around your content being stored in a repository on something like GitHub or GitLab. For an internet, if you've got people that are maintaining content who are in all the different departments that there can be within an organization, Asking them to understand the sort of workflow and the way in which a tool like Git works might be too much to ask. And so one of the things we did when we had a bit of experimentation with Antora was post up some questions to the user group for Antora and say, well, can you have your content hosted locally so that you might have a folder on your PC or on your, on the internet, intranet somewhere on OneDrive or something like that, where you could have the sales policies or marketing policies or whatever, and tell Antora, this is where my ASCII doc files are for these departments and use those to publish the, the intranet, the HTML pages. And it, you can do it. You have to do something to the folders to initialize them as if they were Git folders to do that. And then it can be on your local PC, not within a formal Git repository. Some downsides with tools like this, and certainly true for Antora. It's got a lot of flexibility and it's got a particular way of seeing the world. It has a concept of a playbook which tells Antora where the files are, the source files are, where the published files need to be published how the look and feel will be, and it references to a file that controls what the navigation is on the left and right, at the top and the bottom. You can also reference the style sheet for the different colors that you want. To customize it to how you want, so that you have the navigation that you'd want on the page, you have to get your head around 
the different components, the different files that control what appears, where, where the look and feel is, and to make sense of that. There is a learning curve there. It's not something you can use yet straight out of the box. If anything, it's a tool that needs more tutorial type documentation, maybe some more out of the box templates or components that would help people for different types of use cases on how to do it. So where does this all leave us in terms of which tools are out there for the perfect intranet where the lot of the content is reference content rather than a desire to automate and make it more improve the workflow and systems within an organization. Today is still tools like the help authoring tools, which are fast, can create good large sets of content, easy for people to use. Downside is to maintain it, you have to familiarize yourself with the tool. Or a tool like Confluence, if it's in-house, you have to maintain it. That has a lot of the good documentation features, not necessarily all of them that are available there. And I think it's still today a choice between those two that are there. But it may be that there are other tools that are out there that you use and work well for you that we're not aware of. So as I said at the beginning of this introduction to this podcast episode, if you are aware of a tool that you like that works for you, then we'd be interested in, in knowing about it because we do get a, a collection of people, different organisations contacting us that want help in, in many ways, growing their business, systemizing, documenting, standardising the way things are done so that everyone's doing things in the right way. And then often it does lead into a choice for what platform do you want this to be on so that it's there for the future for you to maintain that's right for your end users. So if there is a tool that you use that you like that we haven't mentioned, then do let us know. So it's a rainy day in August. If you can hear the rain, apologies for that. This is an unplanned episode. We were going to have a break over August but this seemed to be something that was worth having a brief chat about and discussing, putting out there. So that's it really for this episode. Thank you for listening. Info at How do you do it? Let us know. Thank you for listening.